Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And we're going to be talking about Batman, specifically the animated series. Yes, the Batman, the animated series. If I if I had a sound station, I'd play a sound bite from that. This uh, is the definitive animated Batman from the year 1994 or something like that. Uh, to really roughly 90, the 98-99 uh, period. It gets a little fuzzy because it eventually melds into other things. Uh, but because of this, I, of course, have seen all of this many times over, multiple times, and I forced Sarah to watch the entire original Batman animated series uh, the Batman Superman World's Finest uh, special, and I think that's it so far. Uh, you she didn't survive. force me to watch yeah, the animated series. To. I got you curious. and You were curious and you wanted to, but you so, yes, didn't know how deep it went. I didn't watch it as a kid, but I ended up binge-watching the animated series this year. Yeah, and what were your thoughts on it, Sarah? Well... It's it's pretty entertaining. I mean, until the fourth season, something's. The fourth season, as you noted accurately, the animation budget was like cut largely. They did some really cool redesigns of characters, but they also did a lot of crappy redesigns. And the writing got worse. The writing got worse because it was almost entirely done by Bruce Tim and nobody else by that point, I think. I think. I'm probably exaggerating. But the point is that it did go downhill by that point. Uh, it was kind of ready to end at that point. It had already uh, three masterful seasons and a crossover. Um, eventually, uh, well, there was the Superman animated series, which was beginning to happen, taking off. Uh, and that lasted, I think, I think that was three, jeez, I'm gonna have to look it up. You know what, I'm gonna look it up. I don't remember how many seasons Superman animated series lasted. I'm gonna guess it's three, though. Superman. I know, we are talking about Batman, but I, they're connected, trust me. Um, and they all run into yes, the Yes, he was very insistent. I watched the crossover two episodes Oh, it was four seasons, okay. And we can do a total... The one where they find a kryptonite dragon. If Sarah's ever actually up to it, we can later do Superman Animated Series. And then what it turns into is Justice League, the Animated Series, and Justice League Unlimited, and then Batman Beyond, and things like that. And they're all connected. They're all part of something called the DC Animated Universe. And it was revolutionary in multiple ways including but not limited to the fact that the way they actually did the acting Sarah what 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 was your thoughts on the acting the voice acting and all that I want to know your thoughts on that I I don't have any particular opinion on it it was it was good but I don't I'm going to disappoint my listeners and say I don't know the names of everyone. I do know that the guy who voiced Batman passed recently. Yes, that is the late, now unfortunately late, but great Kevin Conroy, who, to many people, including myself, he was the voice of Batman growing up. Now, I'm kind of weird. I 
grew up with both uh, that and Adam West. I did watch the old uh, Adam West Batman uh, shows, uh, not only during that but before that, like during the early during the uh, late eighties to early nineties. I watched a lot of that, pretty much all of that, um, and that is like sort of that was sort of. And I watched the Michael Keaton movie, the first one, the first two. Because I did later, it was sort of later after Batman animated series that I watched uh, Batman uh, Returns. But those two movies I grew up with as well as you know the live action series and the animated series. So that I sort did of was, watch a little bit sort, of the Adam West. Yeah. So that was that was part of my childhood, um, and it was like it was they those four things formed my original consciousness on Batman. Yeah, the what was it? The Michael Keaton movies. They like freaked me out when I was a kid, of course, cuz they're meant to. They're, you know, <clears throat> they're, you know, uh very dark, darker than the animated series or darker than uh the uh far darker than the Adam West series. Uh Adam West series, you probably all know, it's the cheesy one where it's in the 60s and they're, it's live action, but they're, they punch people. Yeah, and, it, but if they punch somebody, like bang or pow, yeah, the words just shows up out. on the... The words come up, you know, instead of somebody getting, like, bloodied or something One time like it's that. ouch because I guess Robin hit a table. Yeah, so it's, like, things like that. Um, and it's meant to be... And it's very interesting because I will say this. The one parallel is... Um, that both the animated series and the live action '60s version were meant to be comic booky as possible, but they were different interpretations of what comic books should be at that point. Uh, but the reason I asked about the the uh, voice acting is because what they did with the voice acting was actually unique at the time, uh, and this was I think with all of the DCAU, uh, they had the voice actors in the studio uh, recording their lines at the same time and hearing each other and things like that. Whereas in most animated series, they'll have, like, the voice actors recording this the, the lines, like, not even remotely in the same room or hearing each other. That's a more conventional way of doing it now. And, and they didn't do that with uh, this. So that was considered groundbreaking at the time. The animation was considered pretty groundbreaking at the time because... It was mostly hand-drawn with little bits of CGI. Um, little bits. Um, and it, of course, you know, gets a little more so later on. Um, so. <laughs> the art style, like how the shading and how they did, like the buildings, it very much looked like they were trying to draw, like, comic book panels. Yeah. Exactly, and it's meant to be, like, dark and, uh, shaded and, you know, meant to represent some sort of, like, it, it's very, as somebody once put it, it's like, it's somehow, like, 1950s, while at the same time being, you know, beyond 21st century at the same time, so it's, uh... I've heard that Gotham is meant to be New York City. Yeah, it, it, it arguably is. It's DC's New York, basically. Um, well, Metropolis is Chicago, apparently. Yeah, it's it's um it's something like that. It's 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 like something like that. Um, I I don't think it's Chicago. It was meant to be like uh, 
I don't know. Maybe it was like supposed to be one of those other Midwestern cities. Um, but of course, Superman's there. So it's of course a lot cheerier and nicer than our, uh, our real world equivalent or the mod or the Marvel equivalents. Cause Marvel doesn't, Marvel has plenty of Superman like characters. They're not usually as stable as Superman. We'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Batman the animated series follows the adventures of Bruce Wayne, while he is uh he is basically fighting crime. Um it's played by Kevin Conroy. Again, I consider him pretty much the default uh voice of Batman in my head, more so than most or all. Uh he is often plagued by his arch nemesis, the Joker, who is voiced by Mark Hamill. And that was sort of a thing at the time. Well, fun fact about Mark Hamill, they say he reinvented himself as a voice actor post-Star Wars, he actually had a history of voice acting that predates that, including predating Star Wars, or roughly contemporary with Star Wars, when he was in the movie Wizards. And Choker's main crime motivation seems to be messing with Batman. Yes, he, he as Sarah noted, he wants to just mess with Batman, he clearly has some sort of um, attraction to Batman, uh, and that... That's one of those things where it's not shown, introduced that way, but it becomes very clear uh, as things go on. Um, now, of course, Joker's fine with doing things like just robbing for money. That's a huge amount of his motivation. He's fine with killing people, including attempting to kill Superman for money, not really anything else. Uh, and he clearly wants to just rule... I think he wants to rule Gotham's underworld towards the end as well. But the, a lot of his motivation does only stem... Put his with face Batman. on as many things as possible, including yeah. apparently and, all the fish. Yeah, and mess with Batman. And I think it's like, I guess his motives are to make money and mess with Batman in that order. Or maybe the reverse. Imagine order. fishing and catching one of those Joker fish. Yeah. Talk about some of these episodes, Sarah. Um... Okay, the episode I'm referring to, it's, uh, I want to say it's midway through the second season, and the Joker managed to put Joker Venom or whatever in the waterways, and all the fish have a stupid Joker grin with you know, big teeth and all, and he wants to flood the seafood market with Joker fish that are copyright because they got his face on it. Oh, and if you eat the fish, you get Joker grin on your face, too. Yep. And this is, this is well, it's largely implied that people are dying, laughing themselves to death doing this. Uh, oh, I didn't yeah. pick up on that. Well... They really don't make it seem that way. It seems like everyone gets treated because, you know, they, it's a kid's show. They um, seldom have anybody actually die for permanent. And... Yeah, again, that's one thing I forgot to tell you to watch. A movie called Mask of the Phantasm, <laughs> which has a pretty high body count. And it is very much set in Batman the Animated Series. Uh that was meant to be like sort of a more of a PG thirteen y movie that was released for a limited time in limited theaters of the nineties. Uh again, Sarah did not see that one, but for for those listening, uh it's basically a copycat vigilante known as the Phantasm going around killing mobsters 
Um, nothing gruesome, usually just, you know, getting them in death traps or, you know, pushing them over cliffs or, uh, pushing stones on them or whatever thing, you know, like things like that. But however, the Joker, the Joker is in it and the Joker goes around trying to, uh, blow up as much of Gotham as possible. He brutally murders, uh, one of the crime lords by, um... By what he does, Sarah, and you're gonna you're gonna get shocked with this. He uses Joker poison. The guy is very clearly dead in the shot. The phantasm head has come for him, and looks and sees with horror, even though you can't see it because the phantasm's mask, uh, the dead, dead, bloated person, and then the corpse blows up, and blows up the entire building. So oh, that there's sure, no, there's that no, sure nothing like that happened in any of what I watched. This was released in theaters for, you know, to sort of compete with the live action. By that point, it was going to be, um, I think, Batman Forever eventually, which, again, we won't get into the uh, later Batman films. Those are their own multiple iterations. Uh, but anyway, no, that happens, and it is done, like, into the animated series. And, um, yeah, I won't spoil anything else, but we'll just say that this phantasm... Uh, is a ruthless killer, but is not Batman, and Joker uh, becomes a very bad thorn in both of their sides. So, yeah, Joker voiced by Mark Hamill. What, well, yeah, you already mentioned your thoughts on the Joker. Um, go on, Sarah. More thoughts on this. Well, I think the villains are overall more interesting and in- uh, the animated series anyway than Batman is. Ah, that's sort of how it's meant to be, I think. Um, Batman's almost more like a plot device. Um, and other comic and cartoon series do this as well, but Batman animated series was sort of one of the first to really do it this way, where a lot of the stories will revolve around the villains, who are a lot more sympathetic than the hero... Uh, the hero is just the hero. You want him to win because he's the good guy. You want Batman to win because he's Batman. But you're really interested in these villains, which are really sympathetic. They're that's sort of one of the first things to have the sympathetic villain. Go on, Sarah. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking up a storm here. And I I like. Um... I like Catwoman. I ultimately find her a very sympathetic character, except for the thing about she's rich and she's still stealing to fund her. I mean, she, she's first introduced, you know, trying to fund mountain lion conservation, and that's pretty cool. But, you know, she's rich and is. Despite being rich stealing, that's... Yeah. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on Catwoman overall? I overall like her. She's... She's trying to help cats. I mean, what's not to... She's trying to help uh, stray cats, which, you know, I have mixed feelings on ecologically, but she's trying to fund mountain lion habitat uh, <laughs> restoration, and she's trying to she basically is like one of uh three characters that's basically portrayed to be like animal uh friend of animals friends of horror and friends of the environment type characters 
Um, the other two being Poison Ivy and uh, Raz Al Ghul, which, who they call Raish Al Ghul, but we're going to be calling him Raz Al Ghul because that's what most people know him as. Um, they're sort of, we'll say, we'll say environmentally and socially conscious villains. That being said, they're still poisoning people and turning people into ca- uh, also, plants. Also, so. Raz Al Ghul's specific vision is him. Saving the world with him ruling it with an iron fist. So, you know, not really. And yeah, Catwoman's fine with killing people or at least letting people die. Um, Poison Ivy actively tries to kill people and often... Poison Ivy's plots get weird. They're like, oh yeah, I'm going to hoodwink this man into marrying me. And then... That was clone him and have his plant children. Okay, that, um... that, that was later on. But remember <laughs> who she first did that with in Poison? Do you remember who that was with first? If I get this wrong, then all my listeners are going to... No, gonna... go ahead. I mean, that that was Harvey Dent. Wasn't yes! It? Yes! Yes! See, Sarah, sorry, I am excited. <laughs> yes, that was Harvey Dent, who later... He, they introduced Harvey Dent as friend of Bruce Wayne... Great, all-around great guy, running for DA, and he's dating Pamela Isley, who turns out to be Poison Ivy. She poisons him. They save him. Sarah, I wanna, I'm going to let you explain what happens with Harvey Dent. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the listeners know at this point, but I want you to explain your own words what happens. Well, later... He's running for some kind of office. DA. He's running for the district attorney office. Yes. Go on. Sorry. He has a girlfriend or a fiance who, you know, he's in love with. And he's starting to get this anger management problem where he snaps. And eventually, after he has his... uh, incident with falling into the acid his personality completely splits and he's got his sane self and his criminal crazy self and he flips a coin and however it lands is what he's going to do like oh gonna rob this bank but the coin landed good heads good heads up so I'm not going to take the jewels, too. Yeah, like, he, he is good heads and bad heads. He is pretty much a criminal. And his, uh, his he, hench people are like, what, we're not taking the jewels? No, good heads up. Put him back. Yeah, he, he, he goes into that whole thing. Um, I would say that... Um, Ultimately a tragic character. Very tragic. Um, you know, he, and you know, it's an unfortunate thing that happens to him, and he's very much failed by the system, and that is a common theme. Uh, the system failing the bad guys. Sarah, you want to expand on that? Well, possibly controversial opinion, but I do view Arkham Asylum and places like it to have a form of systemic abuse going on that is societally accepted including you know in Batman's world and well here's the thing with Arkham um it's been written and portrayed in numerous ways and you can kind of take what you will about that uh I will say this is a strong criticism of Arkham 
is that they really are not rehabilitating anybody, clearly, whatever they're doing. And not only that, they're very escapable. Have you ever noticed that everybody just escapes from there? Like, Joker, I'm relatively okay with that. Yeah, I know you are. And Joker used, what is it? He used a, a remember that? He used a Christmas tree. You know, it's is the season. We'll mention that Christmas with the Joker. But he used an exploding Christmas tree to rocket out of Arkham Asylum. It's very clear that, you know, they're inept. And I will say this. They're inept. You know, if you, if you want to take that, that they're, you know, abusive or not working, I'll agree with at least with that, or at least the not working I'll also part. argue that not all of the villains are necessarily insane to end up in there. Yeah, fair enough on that. But a lot of it with Arkham, and it's really implied that by the Justice League series. Don't get me wrong, they get out of regular prison just as easily and quickly, well, too. But Yeah, well, yeah, they have... Uh, there's, um, uh, what is it? Oh, shoot, what is it called? Not Blackgate, that's right. Blackgate Prison, Blackgate Maximum Security Prison, where they'll send mobsters, uh, like Rupert Thorne, uh, to, he's one of the major characters, one of the main, uh, major regular mobster characters. Uh, they'll, they'll put him in there. They'll put the superhuman ones in Arkham, and that's what I was getting at, is that by the Justice League Unlimited series, it's very implied that a lot of, uh, you'll have their own maximum security prisons, but, which, you know, are run by characters like Amanda Waller, and with, um, with Arkham, it seems like they are just trying to put superhumans there that are not cap they're not capable of holding. And later they try to get more maximum security asylums and prisons in later series. And again, they're not good at holding uh, this and that's kind of parallel to the comics. Eventually And Gotham's water Zone. supply is underneath it. Yeah, there's that's that stupid. Too. Yeah, that's very stupid. I agree with you on that. There's that's an uh, even plot. if they didn't have a constant supervillain problem yeah, uh, medical waste, drug runoff, right into the drinking water. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> integral part to the plot. Um, I really, really, really don't think that that is a, uh, that's a good, uh, idea. But again, I think that that's meant to show that, um, these... But isn't there also Failure some sort society. of portal to the netherworld under it, too? Well, that's, again, that's a comic booky thing. They don't really go into that in the series. And it's not really established till later. Uh, and even then, I don't actually remember the whole thing with that. Um, but I will say that um, it's meant to be... Uh, I think it's meant to be a showing that uh, the f failure of society. You sure about that? Ah, uh, why, why, why not? I mean, it seemed to be being played straight as a good thing, or... Hey, it is, but it's in an episodic TV kids way. Like, oh, okay, he's back in Arkham. Yay, you'll get the help you need, Harvey. Guess what? Did Harvey get the help he needed, Sarah? Nope. Yeah, thank you. So, there, there you go. That's, uh... That, that that's kind of a central theme. And again, you're not going to necessarily pick up on that as a kid fully. It's multi-layered, especially for adults. Um, but, you know, it's a kid's show. So, go on, Sarah. I'm sorry. I, I've been yammering on too long. Don't you go on about Poison Ivy some more. Yeah, go ahead. 
Okay, so her thing is that nobody should ever harm plants. And or the environment. Or the know. environment, and she has absolutely no problem with killing whoever to accomplish this. Which somehow does not apply to her own uh, creating plant people that are only going to live a day or whatever she was doing then. There have been multiple times when she has created plant uh, not-so-jolly green giants to... Describe these things, Sarah. Humanoid, green, messed-up-looking face. I mean, I'm including some of the uh, Harley Quinn new show in that, too. I saw the first episode, but... Now, did... How long do these live, Sarah? I don't remember. Oh, one of them, they only lived like a few days. And yeah. she did something to accelerate their aging so they'd grow to fighting size faster. And there they were only living a day. And I'm like, hey, isn't this um, harming plants? But it's part of their natural life cycle is what would be my guess. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Except for they're not natural... There's clearly nothing natural about that. She multiple times creates plant people that pass as an attractive human. Yeah, an attractive human. That's right. So they'll, like, you know, seduce Batman or whatever to the point where, yeah, she's going to marry her. And, oh, but how come all of these attractive women have green eyes? That's unusual. And sure enough, they are all plant people, every one of them. Yep. So, yeah, Pamela Isley, she's pretty crazy. She's not somebody I would put in something like Arkham or a prison. I would like, I don't know. Well, again, her story. I would deem her extremist more than genuinely crazy. Well, okay, she's been caused that way to do her experiments on plants, so she's uh, uh, she's an interesting case. And again, in the comics, it gets a lot more complicated. I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, granted, I know very little about her backstory. I mean, I've heard a little bit years ago, but. Yeah, and you know, it's not necessary for the, Not uh, enough to confidently yeah. podcast she, about it. But she is sympathetic and be like, okay, she's an extremist, but she wants to save the rainforest. She wants to, uh, you know, not... Uh, she wants to protect things. She uh, doesn't want... Well, as Sarah said, plants to be harmed. That's reasonable enough for her. Unless she's doing it. Yeah. There was a debate whether Poison Ivy would be vegan or not. With, oh, it being, you know, widely considered the best environmental choice, but it's, you know, actively harming plants. That's kind of the idea of vegans eat plants. And, oh, a recent thing about... Uh, one of the more recent uh, incarnations of Poison Ivy. She's like, no, I'm not a vegan. And the reason is because... 
agave is farmed really unsustainably. Uh, I find that kind of a cop-out. Yeah, but I feel like that's the type of cop-out that would be in the, sh in the show. Uh, what would make sense for her would be to be a mega carnivore who only hunts her own food. That would... And again, some... That would both be of, extreme and ideologically Yeah, and consistent. some of her are like that. Um... Again, it's a, uh... It's a bit of a tricky Because, thing. you know, the fact is, a lot of plants, you know, get eaten by farm animals to produce... And, and, and but again, meat. So plants are harmed either way. But again, it is like that somewhat in some of the comics, but they don't go into that. This is like where it goes into the whole. Uh, it's a uh, it's a kids show. They're not gonna they they, they they stop, or rather, even maybe even just it's a TV show. Yes, but to be fair, not every version of Batman is a kids show. Well, that one arguably is the least one, but uh, that I mean, one. Yeah, I don't know what other ones you're thinking of. I mean, there is that new Harley Quinn show that oh, yeah, I think got cancelled. But There is that. Wait, wait, it got cancelled? I don't think you're getting more than one season. They've already had like three seasons. Well, I'm out of the loop, okay. Or something. Anyway. Um, no, okay. Discounting that series-wise, not movie-wise, but series-wise, it's probably one of the, mo the seri most serious Batman. But again... They only go so deep in any of these TV shows. Uh, and, you know, that goes into the whole TV versus comic thing eventually. Anyway. Um, Sarah, what else you you got for this? Oh, more on uh, Catwoman. So she opposes Daggett Labs, which Animal is... Thing. Yeah, which is legal. Somehow, despite they, ha they have a plot to spread some sort of rabies-like disease through Gotham so they can sell the cure, which sounds pretty illegal to me, but... Yeah, it is, but... Yeah, Daggett Labs takes her own cat, I mean... And it's also one of those shady things, you know? Uh, yeah, she's And yes, the cat, the cat does live. Of course, Spoiler, the cat Isis. lives. It's Isis. Uh, her, 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 that's her cat's name, and she's a nice little... Uh, I guess, she, I don't know if she's meant to be a Siamese cat or what, but she's meant to be some kind of cat. She continues to have this weird... She always has misadventures with Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman. And me, I'm wrestling the dog. And she continues to have this weird enemies-slash-lovers relationship with Batman. Yep. What are your thoughts on that, Sarah? Well, my thoughts are she can do better. Ha 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 Oh, like I said, you're not the only one who's thought that sort of thing. I guess she's not seen Batman uh, experiment on a cat, because I have. Oh, yeah, there was that scene. Um, that, you know, I mean, again, that's not really relevant to the overall plot, but yeah, that is one of those... Uh, they have a difference you'd in think, philosophy. You'd think that would be a deal-breaker to her? Well, if she saw it, it might be. Um, there, there are, uh, philosophy, differences in philosophy. She's fine with, uh, stealing or, or even killing, uh, under the right circumstances. Batman's not fine with either. No, things. she commits crimes. He experiments on cats. It doesn't seem like it's meant to be. 
Yeah, and also he, uh... Yeah, they, he arrested her, like, at least once. But it seems twice. that almost every attractive woman in the show seems to have some sort of attraction toward Batman. Yep, and that, that continues into the Justice League animated uh, series, where you'll have other characters uh, be attracted to Batman. Oh, Lois Lane went on a date. Yeah, man. yeah, she's attracted to him. She's attracted to Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne and Batman are both... Sexy, sexy Ben. Uh, Sarah's laughing at this. Hey, I don't know. I, How about the thing where Rachel who... Ghoul's daughter tr- th- treats him like some kind of cryptid, but also she wants, she really wants him. Like, beloved, yeah, let's get my beloved. <laughs> Here's a fun thing, Sarah. I'm gonna drop two bombshells of involving this on you. Uh, she has a kid with him in. The uh, comics. His name is Damien. I kid you not. His name of is Damien. Of course, his name is Damien. Damien Wayne. Come on, that is that is like messed up and hilarious at the same time. Um, and furthermore, what's really worse is in Batman Beyond. I'm going to spoil this one thing in Batman Beyond. Uh, Raz Al Ghul. What he does is he medically transfers his mind to her body. And kills her. Calling yeah. her to do the ultimate sacrifice. Then, Sarah, he pretends to be her to seduce future Bruce Wayne. And, like, seduces him and gets him young again. And by all means seems to be ready to wed him and be with him. And then reveals, when he rejects it, that he is really Ra's al Ghul the whole time. And... He eventually dies in an explosion or something after everybody in the character, the cast and crew, and the audience is horrified by this. Yes, he did this. So, well, we're on the subject of Ra's al Ghul. What are your thoughts on him? Because he's another character, like I said, he is, he talks about, you know, uh, the greed of billionaires. He talks about the uh, destruction of rainforests and things like that. But he seems more openly to it's about its own uh, power. Yeah, exactly. He's he is basically an authoritarian. He wants to control it. He thinks the only way forward uh, is through um, through humanity being ruled by him. Now, Sarah, tell me more thoughts on him and. Oh, you can tell the audience about him in general. Um, not spe- specifically about him, but apparently magic and the supernatural do exist. And yeah, because they have this thing where he wants to get some kind of power from some Egyptian mummy queen, and yeah, that was an actual based on an actual piece of literature. Um. By, I don't remember if it was the guy who wrote Conan or one of the other guys, but that it's actually based yeah, on Yeah, that a, does seem like his kind of thing. It's based on an actual story. They just inserted Batman and Ra's al Ghul into it. Um, so t- tell, that st- tell the story, Sarah. Some of our listeners may re- recognize the story if they're well read. Do you remember the name of the queen? Because I don't. No, I don't. Go ahead. It's not important. It's it's one of those oh yes get eternal life from her because she knows it and so they have a whole um 
you know, Egyptian archaeology quest-themed thing. It has some Lawrence of Arabia vibes at times. Yeah. Got as Batman and Talia in Egypt. And... Well, when they find this queen, she's real. She looks pretty, uh, not in good shape. Oh, that's after the illusion wears away, yes. Yes, after the illusion wears away, yeah, she looks almost like a mummy, and she calls forth all these ghosts, and... <sighs> I just support my listeners again and be like, I don't remember how they got rid of that. No, just Batman blew it up, if I recall correctly. Now, was this also the time that Batman got um, stuck on something with Cobra Venom in it, and... Maybe I would actually have to watch that episode again, but I do. There are there is another episode where he has that, or at least that, it was either that episode or another episode when they were introduced. Raz Al Ghul, talk about Raz Al Ghul and his deal. How he has a whole. Separate I'd rather make fun he... of the Cobra Venom incident. But... Okay, okay, fine, but but well, the reason why I'll explain oh. Raz Al Ghul, Raz, or as they call him Raish Al Ghul in this. The reason he wants eternal life is because he is constantly being rejuvenated. He's actually 600 years old, give or take. And he is constantly being rejuvenated by something called the Lazarus Pit. Now, this is is one of those things in the new Batman movies. They don't show this. And they don't always show this in uh, certain iterations of him. But... In this and the classic and comic version of Raz Al Ghul, he gets rejuvenated. Uh, yeah, if you're sick and dying, you get rejuvenated, but you get kind of crazy. Yeah, you go. But if you're healthy, insane. you die. Yeah, and if you uh, yeah, if you're healthy, you die. Well, it's just basically shows you being like dissolved in it or whatever. Um, if you're sick or if you're old, it rejuvenates you and it gives you a brief, brief bit of superhuman strength. And or at least above human strength, and it makes you crazy, as Sarah said. How does that work, Sarah? You're basically what, just like laughing and. Is he addicted to it? Yeah, I mean he's alive because of it, but. But he... is he addicted to it more? Like a. Yeah, well, it's like it's... he wants to have the high of. Yeah, well, it's not. Well, it's causing the effect on him. It's a degenerative effect, and he's going to eventually not be able to keep rejuvenating. Hence, why his final arc is him doing that horrible thing to his own daughter and t- stealing her body, so he can. Uh, so he can uh, continue on. Because even though he trained his daughter for it and was planning for his daughter to exceed him, that's actually why he's introduced, is he wants Batman to succeed him and his daughter to succeed him. And again, the comics, they sort of, they don't go quite that route, but they at least have a child together. In the, uh, the show, in the DCAU, it's very tragic because he eventually goes mad and just decides to nix that whole thing, especially with Batman rejecting it and stealing, uh, and just doesn't care if he kills Batman or his daughter. He's just fine with eternal life, and so long as he continues to plot. Uh, and eventually he dies, but that's one of those things where he is, you know, he starts off and he, he's often thinking of righteous things, uh, he's sort of a forward-thinking guy, but he's, you know, a jerk, and he's fine with oppressing all of humanity 
uh, at his whim to see his future uh, unfold. Any other characters you want to discuss, Sarah? Well, before I get on to Penguin... <laughs> Nim's favorite. Um, back to this unimportant Cobra Venom incident. So yeah, he gets ahead, stuck on something that apparently is Cobra Venom. Draws a little of his blood. Instantly finds out under the microscope that it is Cobra Venom, which is... Um, I would say overall beyond medical technology, although apparently Australia is doing DNA tests on snake bites now and somewhat identifying what kind of snake it came from, but not in the 90s. Yeah. And just instant antidote, that's done, and I'm like, whoa, Batman, you've, you're not sharing this with the rest of the world? Batman's a scientist, as Homer Simpson would say. Like, oh, yeah, you're a billionaire and you're just using all this for Batman stuff instead of... Okay, he does philanthropic work, but... You've got a viable Cobra antidote instantaneous. Um, Skips the long problematic process of of how antivenom is made in real life. And you're not sharing it with the world? Okay, Batman. Yeah. I doubt the showrunners even thought about any of that factor, though. Okay, Penguin, Penguin. One of your favorites. Well, one of Nim's favorites, because... Oh, yeah, so I was watching, and (laughs) the dog was, like, crawling and barking at Penguin... Now, she continued to do this every time, right? Not every time. But several times. I was kind of disappointed. It was more than once, though. I've seen it done at least three times. Where he would appear in at least three different episodes. I think she mistakes his monocle for a real eye. (laughs) I think she thinks somebody's in the screen and has an eye and she's got a bark. Yeah, she's like... Does not like uh, Penguin. You can hear uh, her crashing around yeah, right now. It's, it's quite funny. Um, Penguin is done in more than one way. So you want to describe how he's animated and how he looks? Well, one version of Penguin, he's just, he's kind of this short, uh, round, and I mean round guy with really long pointy nose like a bird beak and he wears suits all the time carries an umbrella which I believe is poisoned at the end am I right? yeah it's poisoned he also can shoot bullets from it uh he does things like have humming I was come on you have to give it up for the fact that he's like the poison tipped hummingbirds yeah he does do bird themed stuff Everything's uh, humming. Everything's bird. He's got uh, attack cassowaries. He also has a leopard seal tank later on. That seemed a little. Uh, what, like, why would he have leopard seals? Don't they uh... eat penguins? Yeah. Well, there you go. That's what a penguin would fear, though. So he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take the scariest thing I can think of." Wah. No, I don't know. He was also played by Danny DeVito in. Well, in the live action one, and um, oh, hold on, I can never remember the actor's name. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Um, this I will actually look up because I love the version of the penguin. 
And I'll, uh, connect it on with my regular Gamer Phones, uh, content. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, no, The Samuel actor, John Bradley, he said he wanted to play that role at some point. Who knows if he will or not, I'd watch it. I would watch that too, but I would be very, very, very critical of that. Um, hold on, let's see what his, uh... Wikipedia wants me. Wikipedia wants money. Yeah, but it wants money, but it doesn't want to tell me who play. Wikipedia, I'll give you more money if you tell me who played. Okay, yeah, Burgess sure. Meredith. Burgess Meredith. That's it. Um, and again, I should have remembered that offhand, but I'm 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 slow and slipping. Uh, you really gonna pay Wikipedia? I don't know. I, I have in the past, so, uh, <laughs> um, but, so, cassowaries but, are really dangerous. They're one of the few birds that have actually killed a person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's really cool that uh, Penguin did that. Uh, yeah, played by Burgess Meredith in the uh, '60s, uh, Danny DeVito in the '90s. And the animated series actually takes after both, um, both personality-wise and animation-wise. Granted, in the, um, in the, uh, except for he's sort of his own version, too. He's very much a sophisticated, uh, millionaire type who's, has a bird eccentricity. Uh, he is... Steals expensive paintings and stuff to fund his, uh... Fancy millionaire life. Yep, and his uh, his nightclubs. And he is uh, portrayed, the way he looks, uh, varies from the Burgess Meredith in the later seasons, which I do like that design, to the really cool and over-the-top Danny DeVito design where he looks very penguin-ish and even has, like, the flipper hands and all that. And, uh, and again... It's very meant to the the appearance is either, but the animated series is sort of his own version where he's very dangerous and deadly, but he's also the eccentric uh, multi-millionaire type who can actually uh, he's one of Batman's deadlier foes in most iterations, not so much recent media, but most of the older iterations he is. He's sort of like right up there with the Joker and Two Face, and often mentioned and. Portrayed uh, sometimes working with them, and you know it's it's a very you know it's a very cool thing that they did with him. So you gonna I, talk about that alligator guy? You talk about him, Sarah. I want your opinion of him. I'm gonna get his name wrong. It's it's the underdweller. He's he's the a minor villain. He's a very minor villain though. Yes, so he's a like, very minor villain, but he's got an alligator sword. Yeah, he's got alligator army, and you know Batman improbably beats them, and beats him and rescues. Well, a he's bunch kidnapping of children and making. The, yeah. Oh, are they orphans? Well, yeah. Well, they're, not they're, some of them had parents. Well, I don't know. Maybe they do. They're homeless. They're homeless kids. And yeah, they're he's having them steal for him. Yeah. Which is, of course, despicable. But alligator sewer. Yeah, see, we're clearly turning this into a whole, like, the various animal and plant-themed villains. I mean, 
you could also just go with the whole uh, Mr. Freeze thing. Um, I don't know what your thought on that is, Sarah. It's sad. Well, well, do you want to tell what your... His wife has some sort of illness, and he has her in some sort of a cryogenic uh, thing. Kind of similar to uh, what was going on in the Doctor Who Christmas special, actually. Yeah. And he has somehow made himself into an ice person who's gotta stay in his freeze suit looking for a cure for her. And I don't know if we want to spoil and say what what happened. You can go ahead. Um, it's very complicated because I mean, you. I don't know if you want to spoil the whole thing because if you do then I'm gonna have to spoil it because you actually don't know the full story. Because uh, you only watch the animated series and it goes on. But... The part where she gets better, but she doesn't want to be with some weird ice villain. Yeah. And so she leaves him. But the whole thing... uh, And again... Alright, maybe I won't spoil it. We'll just say that it goes into weird territory. But the point is that he is a tragic figure who is trying to find a cure for his wife. He didn't turn himself into it. What happened is... You might remember Sarah, the bad guy. That bad guy, also played by Mark Hamill. Remember he was kicked... He was said, you have to take your wife off life support now because it's company funds. And then he kicks him into the uh, the chemicals and nearly kills him. Remember that whole part? And then he, uh, and then he, uh, he basically uh, becomes Mr. Freeze. He saves his own life and becomes Mr. Freeze. So... And that 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 won an Emmy, by the way. That whole thing it won an Emmy because it was brilliantly done. Um, I suppose we should talk about Robin before this is over. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. What are your thoughts on Robin? I mean, not really any in particular, but okay. So he's. A circus tightrope stunt guy, and so are his parents. The whole family are the Flying Graysons. And there's some sort of uh, extortion kind of thing going on behind the scenes at the circus. And as part of that, um, you know, the bad guy has he tampers with the rope that um, his parents are going to be using, and it breaks, and they both die. That was one of those few deaths, right, Sarah? One of the few deaths. Oh, Nim, did you just burp? Yep. She Pardon burped. the dog. Pardon the burping, Nim. So yeah, Sarah said in the series there's not actually too many actual deaths, but that's one of them. A very clear death. And Batman takes him in as a ward and becomes the sidekick and uses his circus act skills for swinging around crime fighting and eventually Robin starts having disagreements with Batman gets tired of working for him goes on to become Nightwing and Batman goes and just gets a new Robin and 
And then he got Batgirl, too. Yeah. 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 They don't really get into that, though, do they? I mean, they get into Batgirl and all that, but they don't get into how bad that, the bad, the unfortunate direction that takes, do they? If it did, it passed over my head. Okay, good, 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 good. No, that's in later adaptations. They thankfully kept it out of the original animated series. Why? What happens? Uh, he he dates that girl eventually, which is very not the best call. That when that was the writers doing that. Kind Wait, which of, one dates Batgirl? First Batman, then Robin, or maybe it was first Robin then. Okay, Batman. that's weird. Yeah, it's weird it, that it's, they both do. Well, not Robin, but you know Nightwing. That one they both do. They both have a thing. Well, that's why that's sort of okay. You don't see that because it's part of the main thing. But there are these offshoots where. Uh, that that's why like a Batgirl being Commissioner Gordon's daughter, who and he's uh, completely unaware of, um, that she's putting on a bad outfit and and batting around. Yeah. <laughs> so. What are your thoughts on all that, Sarah? No, just the whole the whole other characters in general. Which other characters? You mean the villains or the cops or all of them? Well, That's a bit too too wide a question. It's... No, no, I mean, just what are your thoughts on uh, the sidekicks and all that? Well, they've got... They're more interesting and complex than the average animated TV show. Yeah. Although Batman himself, he's kind of... Okay, we get it, you're rich, you don't like crime... And you work out all the time, and Alfred looks after you. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Alfred? He's sort of a father figure to Batman. Hey, dog, don't be kicking. Okay. Am I right? Yeah. Pretty much. He raised Batman since his parents died at age eight, so you're pretty right about that. That, of course, being the reason why Batman is obsessed with fighting crime to begin with. Yep. That is a consistency about His parents Batman. were coming home from a movie theater. Some fans guessed that it may have been Space Jam, but there's nothing in canon to... No, no it is canon. It was the Mark of Zara. That is the actual can of what they saw. Generally. Okay. Generally, it's generally accepted that that is the canon of what they saw. And Batman is very uh, haunted about it still. Um, the time that oh, we have not talked about Scarecrow, but go ahead. We can briefly talk about him. Scarecrow worked for Arkham, but you know, decided to go on and into super villainy. And his thing is putting chemicals or gases out into the water or the air that make people 
either feel no fear or extra susceptible to their fear so they have hallucinations and then um, using the results of that to his benefit. Yeah. So, Batman had hallucinations that involved guilt over his parents being dead, even though, you know, he was eight and it wasn't his fault. And it's just, you know, show he's still very haunted by it. Yeah. Meanwhile, other people are like, oh, they're playing football and the opposing team look like goblins. Yeah, pretty much. Scarecrow actually deserves Arkham. Well, there you go. He was a former employee, so, you know, you could say that is a criticism of Arkham as a whole. I still um, consider Arkham in the cruel and unusual category, but... No, I think at the very least they're useless, so... Uh, that's something we'll more or less agree on. And again, you know, not everyone may think that, but guess what? That's, uh... I think it's pretty consistent. So... You have any other thoughts, Sarah? You go ahead and say whatever you want. Um, I'm trying to think. Was there anyone else we were going to talk about with uh, the sympathetic villain? With sympathetic villains? I yeah. mean, off the top of my head, I think of Clayface. Yeah. Clayface was very sympathetic. He was an actor who applied a... Uh, makeup from, you guessed it, Daggett Labs. Yep. Who remained their legality for some reason. Somehow. We don't know. Um, and it eventually uh, messes up his DNA so he can rearrange his face different ways, but he's not human anymore. He's a metahuman, which is... Uh, in in DC, just a very quick thing, in DC, metahumans are basically the equivalent of Marvel mutants and mutates. And Marvel mutants are people that are, like, not really fully human, but with superhuman or... Superhuman powers or weird human abilities or weird human appearances um, that are born that way. Mutates are people who have, like, Clayface, who've gotten that way due to an experiment gone awry or something. Um, He defaults to a sort of mud monster. That's that's Marvel, though. In DC, all of them are just called metahumans. Um, In the original episode he shows up in and he goes up on stage to expose what that makeup did to him at a meeting that's for promoting the sales of it. But in later episodes uh, oh there's a weird one where he's trying to regain his humanity and he has a doctor helping him who was, I guess, a big fangirl of his back when he was acting, and I mean, obviously, very professionally unethical there, but is that the one where he dissolves at the end? Maybe. Yeah, it's that's that... the one where they put him in a mold and they keep having apart. to bake it again. Yes. Yeah. That one's actually really sad, in my opinion. That one, like, 
That one made me really sad when I first saw it. Um, Not as sad as the next one. Wait, what, the one with the daughter? The one where he makes a daughter, daughter? out of his own mud, yeah. and she is... It was in the last episode, She is too. sentient in a way that's separate from him. And, and trying to separate from him. And he's like, no, you're part of me, I can uh, take you back, and... And he absorbs her. That, that was happened? yeah. That was yeah. awful. Yeah, and well, she. The worst part is she fell in love with one of the Robins, Tim Drake. She falls in love with him, and they fall in love. And remember what Robin said at the end is like, "Is there anything else we should book him on?" Remember, he said, "Yeah, murder." And then the episode ends that way. Uh kid shows. Um, yeah, that was sad as well. And the reason the first, the second one was sad. Was because you thought that was just them killing him off. That was it. But he appears, and as Sarah said, at that point he's lost his humanity. And it's pretty pretty messed up. I mean, I've got limited time to talk about every character in it. No, I mean, you know, say what you want to say. I'm sorry, I kind of yacked everybody's I'm sure you want to talk about Killer Croc. Well, you go ahead. What are your thoughts on him? Oh, he's another of the... Yes, he's been to Arkham, but... Um... Definitely criminal, but I wouldn't say necessarily insane. Um, he... Has some sort of genetic condition that makes him a sort of reptilian throwback, super strength, can crush metal with his jaws, stay underwater, really long time, scaly skin. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a form of atavism, um, which is basically, he has, yeah, primitive reptilian features, what Sarah mentioned. Um, and he's actually really, really tough. So. And... Well, you know what he does with that, steal things. Yeah, and he also, you know, um, at one point when he escapes, he befriends... uh, Oh, yeah, and one of his prison escapes, he befriends um, a group of... Circus performers. Yep, circus performers. I guess what would have uh, in the past been called circus freaks. Yeah. Uh, In the mountains, there's a... A seal flipper boy and um, co-joined twins. And yeah, they just, you know, accept him. They be yourself. And he's like, cool, I'll be myself. I like uh, killing people. I like killing and stealing. And they're like, wait a minute. And then Batman has to kind of save the day. Seal boy is sad. Yeah, and it's sad. He's like... He's like, oh, I, uh, that, and that's how that ends. He's like, oh, Croc, why? He's like, you said be yourself, kid, and I was, so. And a really creepy, and yes, this was a season four thing. Yeah. So, uh, season four being season four, he dates another of the villains whose name is Baby Doll, and we haven't talked about her, but she is another uh, former actress who has a medical condition that makes her perpetually look like a child when she's actually 30s or 40s. Yeah. So she was a child actor. Um, 
And her, her whole thing is acting very childish. And you're robbing the casino. She's got a gun concealed in the teddy bear. She wants revenge on one of her former cast members whose thing was... Like, throwing cereal or Edder or something. You know, some yeah. slapstick stunt from the TV show. Yeah. And she's a very tragic character. And then of her premiere, she's, you know, looking in the mirrors, the funhouse mirrors, and she sees herself uh, not as a, you know, a woman that is does not have her condition. And she really, you know, it's very sad. Uh, she's sympathetic, and Batman is sort of seen as being sympathetic towards her, at least in her premiere. Later, she's kind of... And that's kind of a messed up thing. They kind of undid that to make her more Yeah, bad. there was a... Yeah, back to what I mentioned. She develops this big crush on... Croc. Croc. Because she sees uh, he's also been outcasted for how he looks. But she still looks like a child and acts really childish to Croc while being in love with him. It's really creepy. And Croc is not into it, but he sort of goes along with it because Gives it gets him, him out of prison and um, in on some crime sprees. Yeah. And she ends up really hurt finding Croc um, dating other women. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of messed up because that episode kind of undoes some of the development both her and Croc went through. But that is sort of, again, the whole thing with it being a show, a serialized show and all that. Now, there aren't any villains that are ever permanently out of it. I mean... Not really. I mean, I thought that there would have been, but there isn't really, except for... No, there's, they're permanently out of it, and they're just one-off. Like, you know, the one-off, the guy with the invisible suit, the uh, the terrible trio, you know, those they're, they're banksters, mobsters, things like that. In uh, the movies, they kind of die. Um, there's the, uh, th- there's that. Um, they had the Arts of March one-off. Yeah, but it's like, you know, they usually just go to prison, never come back, and that was it. Um, maybe sometimes they'll come back once or twice. Um, the Batman Superman uh, crossover had Lex Luthor, um, voiced by the amazing, as always, Clancy Brown. Again, all of these castings are very stellar. Uh, very good voice actors, even from the time. Um... So. As you can see, Bill is the expert here. I binge-watched the show once. Yeah, and she watched... She binge-watched this show, and she watched a few <laughs> other extras. Um, but, yeah, a lot of them do come back. Nobody really dies most of the time. Is there any more you want to talk about? I don't know, Sarah. We didn't talk about Harley Quinn. 
Yeah, go ahead and talk about Harley Quinn. We'll talk briefly about her. She was created for the show. I mean, uh, yes. she became very popular and, you know, was included in comics and... Future um, shows, including her current show is Sarah Noonan. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, got a current show, and there's, you know, Birds of Prey, and Suicide Squad, she was in that, right? Yep. I didn't watch it. Yep. No, you're right. So, she started out as one of the, uh... I don't know whether she was a psychologist or a psychiatrist. A shrink of some variety from Arkham. And she, entering the job, was like, Oh, yes, I like people with very uh, extreme personalities. And... She ends up, quote-unquote, treating Joker, who gives her a sob story, and she falls in love with him and helps him break out. Her original name, Harleen Quinzel, and that got changed pretty easily to Harley Quinn, went to a cheap costume store, bought the Jester outfit, and her whole persona is... Being madly in love with a Joker who pretty much ignores her unless he's going to hit her or something. It's pretty messed up. Yeah. <laughs> would you? How would you characterize their relationship? What do you mean? I mean, as I said, her whole personality seems to be being... Extra fun and bouncy and, oh, yes, Mr. J. Would you you call it on the abusive side is what I'm asking? I already said messed up. Yes, it is on the abusive side. Very much so. She breaks up with him and comes back to him more than once and then goes on to date Poison Ivy. Yep. Who is less abusive. Yep. Not in the series, just they're they're a team. So anyway... um. Yeah. I I mean much less although isn't there a a time when Poison Ivy grabs her by the neck? Uh possibly in the show. I don't again, you watched it more recently than I did, so I might have missed I don't remember something. I that. don't think it was in the show. Might have been the in something the, else. Yeah. So there you go. They create a whole character just for that. <laughs> a whole character that became extremely popular. And yeah, one thing you'll notice if you uh, visit dating websites as a woman is there's going to be a lot of guys on there that say Joker looking for his Harley Quinn. And hopefully they don't mean it too literally, you know? Except for you know they do. And women just stay away from guys that way. (laughs) I'm in a relationship. I haven't been looking on dating websites at guys' profiles in a long time. But when I was, yeah, there were quite a few of those. Yep. So, there you go. That's Batman the Animated Series. The Avoid guys who put that on their profile. Yep. The legendary series. Um, Highly recommend. And we will be continuing to do Lord of the Rings. 
We have the Shadow of the Past chapter coming up. As well as we're going to continue with the film adaptations. Next one is the Rankin-Bass Hobbit. The one a lot of us grew up with. Yep, including me. I can't promise, but we are thinking of covering the Christmas Dragon. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of a crunch with you know, how free any of us are to come up with content, you know, right on top of Christmas, but we're considering that one. And we will, of course, do more Game of Thrones. Always more Game of Thrones. Uh, please follow us on Facebook or join the group, Castings the Fire Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Review, comment, message our Facebook. We'd love to hear feedback. Thank you for listening to Castings the Fire Podcast, and good night. Good night.